everyone, I'm Carolyn. And I'm Tiffany, and you're listening to another episode of The Disney Download. Here at The Disney Download, we'll be discussing the latest Disneyland news along with sharing park tips and tricks. Plus, we'll be sharing our opinions on everything in the Disney universe. So get ready to have some fun. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Disney Download. This week, we are talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. So Carolyn is going to kick us off with the comic origins. Yes. So Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and first appeared in the anthology comic book Amazing Fantasy in August of 1962. In the story, Spider-Man is the alias of Peter Parker, an orphan raised by his Aunt May and Uncle Ben in New York City after his parents died in a plane crash. Stan and Steve had the character deal with struggles of adolescence and financial issues and accompanied him with many supporting characters such as J. Jonah Jameson, Harry Osborn, Max Modell, uh, romantic interest Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane Watson, and foes such as Doc Oculus, the Green Goblin, and Venom. So in his origin story, Peter Parker is a teenager who lives in Queens with Uncle Ben and Aunt May, as most of us know. Um, He attends a local high school, Midtown High, where he's gifted. um, He's a gifted science student on the fast track to a full college scholarship. While he's attending a demonstration on radiation, Peter is bitten by a glowing radioactive spider and um, that promptly dies after it bites him. Feeling ill, Peter wanders out into the street and narrowly avoids oncoming an oncoming car by making a superhuman leap into the air. On instinct, he lands on the side of a building and he clings to it. Peter discovers that he's gained the um, proportionate speed, strength, and agility of a spider. He can also will any part of his body to cling to surfaces. Peter decides to test out his newfound powers by taking part in an amateur wrestling competition, donning masks just in case he loses. Peter um, quickly beats the pro wrestler Crusher Hogan and wins the competition prize money. A TV producer witnesses the event and convinces Peter to perform on late night TV. um, And he suggests Peter keep the mask angle since his secret identity is great showmanship. To enhance his act, Peter designs a flashy costume and builds wrist-worn web shooters that fire liquid cement of his own design. Later stories name the liquid cement as web fluid and reveal that it dissolves after about an hour. Initially, Spidey's costume is red and black with blue highlights to give it depth. After just a few issues, the costume's coloring uses such strong highlights that it becomes red and blue. Um, minutes after his television debut as the Amazing Spider-Man, the web slinger, the web spinner sees and ignores a thief that runs past him and escapes the building. When a security guard asks him why he didn't trip um, or grab the guy, uh, Peter explain. Um, Peter displays newfound arrogance by proclaiming he is no longer concerned with anyone but himself. Catching criminals is not what he's paid to do. Spider-Man continues to impress studio officers. Oh my goodness, audiences and plays to packed rooms. But one night, Peter uh, finds a police officer at his home and they explain his Uncle Ben surprised by a burglar who um, then shot and killed him. The burglar got away, but the police have cornered him in an old Acme warehouse at the waterfront. Enraged, Peter dons his Spider Man outfit, confronts the burglar directly, 
Um, and after knocking the killer out, he sees his face and realizes that that is the same thief that he let uh, escape the studio. Guilt-ridden that he couldn't that he could have prevented his uncle's death um, had he not been selfish, Peter realizes that with great power also comes great responsibility. He then leaves his TV career behind and becomes a hero. His guilt evolves into a sense of true altruism and responsibility, and he becomes the wise-cracking, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man rather, rather than a cynical vigilante. So now we're going to jump into the development of the films. So following the November 2014 hacking of Sony's computers, emails between Sony Entertainment and co-chairman Amy Pascal and President Doug Belgard were released, stating that Sony wanted Marvel Studios to produce a new trilogy of Spider-Man films while Sony retained creative control, marketing, and distribution. Discussions between Sony and Marvel broke down, and Sony planned to proceed with its own slate of Spider-Man films. However, in February of 2015, Sony Pictures um, and Marvel Studios announced that they would release a new Spider-Man film with Kevin Feige and Pascal producing. The character would first appear in an early Marvel Cinematic Universe film, later revealed to be Captain America Civil War, and Marvel Studios would explore opportunities to integrate MCU characters into future Spider-Man films, which Sony Pictures would continue to finance, distribute, and have final creative control over. So Marvel had been working on adding Spider-Man to the Marvel Cinematic Universe since at least October of 2014 when they announced their slate of Phase 3 film, films with Kevin Feige saying Marvel doesn't announce anything officially until it's set in stone. So we went forward with Plan A in October with Plan B being if the deal were to happen with Sony, how it would all shift. We've been thinking about the Spider-Man film as long as we've been thinking about Phase 3. Uh, Avi Arad and Matt Tolmak, producers for the Amazing Spider-Man series, were set to serve as executive producers with uh, neither director Mark Webb nor Andrew Garfield returning for the new film. Uh, Sony was reportedly looking for a younger actor than Garfield to play Spider-Man with Logan Lerman and Dylan O'Brien considered as frontrunners at the time. In March of 2015, Drew Goddard was considered to write and direct the film, while O'Brien said he'd been approached for the role. Uh, the next month, while promoting Avengers Age of Ultron, Feige said the character of Peter Parker would be around 15 or 16 in the film, which would not be an origin story since there have been two retellings of that origin in the last 13 years or so. So we're going to take it... Oh my gosh. So we are going to take it for granted that people know that and the specifics. Parker's uncle Ben is still referenced in the film, um, but not by name. Um, later in April, Nat Wolf, Ash Butterfield, Tom Holland, Timothy Chalamet, and Liam, jo- Liam James were under consideration by Sony and Marvel to play Spider Man, with Holland and Butterfield being the frontrunners. So in May of 2015, Jonathan Levine, Ted Melfi, Jason Moore, and the, uh, the writing team of John Francis Daly and John- Jonathan Goldstein and Jared Hess were being considered to direct the film. Butterfield, Holland, Judah Lewis, Matthew Lintz, um, Charlie Pol- uh, Palmer, and Charlie Rowe screen tested for the lead role against Robert Downey Jr. for the chemistry. By early June 2015, Lavina Melfi had become the favorites to direct the film, and John Watts is 
uh, also a consideration, while Foggy and Pascal narrowed the actors considered to Holland and Rowe. With both screen testing with um, Robert Downey Jr. again, Holland also tested with Chris Evans and emerged as the favorite. On June 23rd, Marvel and Sony officially announced that Holland would star as Spider-Man and that Watts would direct the film. In July of 2015, it was reported that Marissa Tomei had been offered the role as May Parker, Peter's aunt. In October of 2015, Watts said he was looking to make the film a coming-of-age story to see the growth of Parker, citing um, Can't Buy Me Love, Say Anything, and Almost Famous as some of his favorite films in that genre. He felt that this was also the responsibility of the film since it had had to introduce Spider-Man to the already established MCU. Specific comics that Watts noted as potential influences were The Ultimate Spider-Man, and Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Yeah. So now we're going to do our movie facts. So as mentioned above, Tom Holland auditioned for the role of Spider-Man for five months. Um, he was supposed, supposed to find out he got the part the day after his final audition. Um, but six weeks went by um, and he actually found out when Marvel posted on their Instagram that he was going to be the new Spider-Man. That's so funny. Um. Tom Holland (laughs) plays the youngest Peter Parker ever at 15 years old. Um, Tom was around 19 to 20 when he shot the movie. I was wondering that as I was watching it. Yeah, he's definitely the youngest. I don't remember how old Andrew Garfield and um, Tobey Maguire were, but I think they were all in like their mids to late 20s at least. Also, the next fact that we have is originally in the early development stages of the movie, Nick Fury was going to be part of Spider-Man Homecoming. Samuel L. Jackson was going to be Peter Parker's mentor as he flits between um, waiting to get called back into the Avengers and going on his own adventure in New York, only to find himself out of his depth. However, the writers um, went with Tony Stark as Peter's mentor, despite Robert Downey Jr.'s absurd salary demands. Nick Fury has been off the grid since Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and will remain in hiding beyond the next Avengers movies. Besides, Tony was the guy who recruited Parker on his side in Civil War, so it fit a little bit better. Yeah. Um, And lastly, Spider-Man Homecoming, as mentioned above, was intended to be kind of a teenage coming-of-age story that happened to feature superhero action and alien weapons. So the director, John Watts, turned to the genre's main pioneer, John Hughes, who did so many coming-of-age stories in the 80s, um, and made the cast watch a marathon of all of his films to prepare. That's awesome. So we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be back in just a second with our movie recap and our opinions on the film. Welcome back from the break. So before we jump into our movie summary, Tiff is going to give you a little bit of movie info about Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, so this movie was released in on July 7th of 2017 and the film is set in 2017. It's part of phase three of the Marvel Universe, and the film before this one is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and the one after is Thor Ragnarok. 
love those. Um, so this movie starts following the Battle of New York with Adrian Toomes and his salvage company. Um, they were contracted to clean up the city, but their operation is taken over by the Department of Damage Control, the DODC, a partnership between Tony Stark and the U.S. government. Um, he is enraged at being driven out of business and persuades his employees to keep the Chichari um, weapons and, you know, all of that stuff they have already salvaged and use them to create and sell more advanced weapons. Um, this is actually wrong. I think it's six years later, Peter Parker is drafted into the Avengers by Tony Stark to help with an internal dispute in Berlin with Captain America, Captain America Civil War. Um, but afterwards, he resumes his studies at Midtown School of Science and Technology, where Tony tells him he is not ready to become a full Avenger just quite yet. So uh, Peter quits his high school's academic decathlon team to spend more time focusing on his crime-fighting activities as Spider-Man. One night after preventing criminals from robbing the ATM with their advanced weapons that Toon sold them, Peter returns to his queen's apartment where his best friend Ned discovers his secret identity. On another night, Peter comes across Toon's associates Jackson Bryce, um, who is the shocker, and Herman Schultz selling weapons to local criminal Aaron Davis. Peter saves Davis before being caught by Toomes and dropped in a lake, nearly drowning after becoming tangled in a parachute built into his suit. He is rescued by Tony, who is monitoring the Spider-Man suit he gave Peter and warns against further involvement with these criminals. Toomes accidentally kills Bryce with one of their weapons and Schultz becomes the new shocker. So Peter and Ned begin to study a weapon Bryce left behind, removing its power core. Um, when a tracking device on Schultz leads to Maryland, Peter decides to rejoin the decathlon team and accompanies them to Washington, D.C. for their national tournament. Ned and Peter eventually disable the tracker in the Spider-Man suit and unlock its advanced features. Uh, Peter tries to stop Toombs from stealing weapons from the DODC truck, uh, but is trapped inside, causing him to miss the decathlon tournament. When he discovers that the power core is an unstable Tachari grenade, Peter races to the Washington Monument where the core explodes and traps Ned and their friends in an elevator. Evading local authorities, Peter saves his friends, including his classmates and crush Liz. Upon returning to New York, uh, Peter persuades Davis to reveal Toombs' whereabouts um, and then goes aboard the Staten Island Ferry where Peter captures Toombs' new, new buyer, Mark uh, Gargon, and Toombs escapes and a malfunctioning weapon eventually tears the ferry in half. Uh, Peter tries to save the passengers, but eventually needs the help of Iron Man, who shows up and then confiscates Peter's suit as a punishment for his recklessness. So Peter returns to his high school life and eventually asks Liz to go to homecoming with him. And on the night of the dance, Peter discovers that Toombs is Liz's dad. Deducing Peter's secret identity from Liz's account about him, Toombs threatens retaliation if he continues to interfere with his plans. During the dance, Peter realizes that Toombs is planning to hijack a um, DODC plane, transporting weapons from the Avengers Tower to the team's new headquarters. Um, he puts on his old homemade Spider-Man suit and races to Toombs's lair. Though he is ambushed by Schultz, he defeats him with Ned's help. At the lair, Toombs destroys the building support beams and leaves Peter there to die. Peter escapes the rubble and intercepts the plane, steering it to crash on the beach near Coney Island. 
He and Toombs continue fighting, ending with Peter saving Toombs' life after the damaged vulture suit explodes. And he leaves him for the police along with the plane's cargo. After he, um, her father's arrest, Liz moves away and Peter declines an invitation from Tony to join the Avengers full time. And Tony proposes to Pepper Potts in the weirdest way ever. Um, he also returns the Spider-Man suit to Peter, who puts it on um, in his bedroom and then Aunt May walks in. <laughs> End movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um but this one has two post-credit scenes so for the mid-credit scene we see tombs in prison where he meets up with a also incarcerated gargon um who says that he's heard that he knows who spider-man is um and tombs denies it saying if he knew who spider-man was he would be dead possibly setting up a future sinister six in the mcu um, and then our last post credit scene, which I obviously love. Um, I love the Cap cameos in this film. Um, we see another one of Cap's little videos. Um, and he gets a little, little tired at the end and asks how many more he has to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go over the things that we're going to see in the larger MCU story. Um, so in the beginning, we see the Battle of New York and all that aftermath. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, this is calling back to the original Avengers film, um, and then kind of the aftermath of what actually kind of maybe happens on the ground level after you have these big battles. We see that kind of as a reoccurring theme, especially in Phase 3 with Civil War and Zemo, um, and now we see it again in this film. We'll also see the reoccurring characters, Iron Man, Happy Hogan, and Captain America. Yeah, so lots of mention of lots of characters in this film. We obviously see Iron Man, which, which is a huge thread. Happy Hogan, Pepper Potts, Black Widow is referenced. Like, all the Avengers are referenced. So just really helping solidify and tie this film in. I, one thing, I feel like this film is, like, really actually heavy-handed with all of its, like, references and callbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also hear them mention Sokovia and Ultron pretty often. Yeah, so I was funny listening to it because there you talk about the Sokovia Accords in one of the scenes when Ned's asking Peter a bunch of questions. And then we see a bunch of like Ultron bots that Toombs is trying to steal. So again, just more references tying things into the larger story. We'll also see Avengers gear, such as the Hulkbuster. Yeah, so I mean, when they're on the plane, there's lots of references to the Hulkbuster suit, Cap's new shield. Thor's magic belt. So. And then we'll also see the iron spider suit. Yeah, which we see again in Endgame. So just yeah. teasing things to come. Yeah. So then there are a ton of movie Easter eggs in this one. Um, so the first one that we see, um, there's photos of Bruce Banner, who's a Hulk, and Howard Stark, who is Tony Stark's father, seen throughout um, Peter Parker's school. And this other one that I wanted to note um, the principal has a photo on his desk as well. Did you um, catch that one? Oh my gosh, I noticed it too, and that was one of. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I like notice things in movies, and I get real excited. And the more I watch these movies, the more I notice. So, the first thing I caught was the inconsistency of Black Widow, but then I was the principal had the photo of the 
you know, I'm assuming it's his grandfather who looked like he was a World War II vet. And I was like, is that the same guy that was in Captain America's Howling Commandos? And I like feel like it is. Yes, it is. I that's like my <laughs> Did you one <laughs> contribution. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was so funny. Yeah, go Gail yeah. told me that one. Yeah, I noticed it and I was like, oh, I, I like I didn't, I didn't Google it to make sure, but I was like, I, I like I totally feel like that's like a thing. And I just like love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our next one, um, as is usually the case with a big comic book movie, Spider-Man Homecoming is brimming with hidden references to the comic lore. Um, Aunt May's license plate um, is a Easter egg. It reads AMF. 1562 which is a reference to the first ever um comic book that spider-man made an appearance in the amazing fantasy issue 15 uh published date 1962 um the year peter's school was founded is noted as 1962 which is also another reference to that first comic book issue um the name bagley appears all over homecoming's new york city in form of graffiti which is a reference to the comic book artist mark bagley who um shook up the spider-man comics in the 1990s working with both classic classic storylines and the rebooted ultimate spider-man rendition of the character and then the last one is when peter saves liz in the washington monument elevator she almost suffers the same fate as gwen stacy in the comics but in this version he manages to sling a web onto her hand not her neck so she doesn't die oh gosh i mean I heard that's what happened. I okay. I've never watched the second Andrew Garfield Spider Man, but I heard that's how she dies in that one. So I don't know if I have either. Hmm. I, I mean, those one. I I need to go back and rewatch them, especially since there's probably going to be like some multiverse stuff in uh, Spider Man three. But the first one with him just really made me mad because he's just such a little jerk. Speaking of the multiverse, I do have one other little kind of easter egg because they do actually carolyn and i just recently watched um the animated spider-man multiverse movie and um they do mention in that movie they talk about miles morales and um uncle aaron and in this one we do see aaron who is the bad guy and he also mentions that he has a nephew who lives in um I Queens I believe so um yeah yeah so I think that is a reference to that which is kind of interesting and we'll see if that kind of plays out in the multiverse also yeah we, we may see a Miles Morales sooner than we think yeah that'd be really cool um cool. another one that we have is that Karen the AI inside Spider-Man's suit was a last minute addition and is voiced by Jennifer Connelly um, she's actually married to Paul Bethany, who, um, before becoming Vision, also voiced Jarvis in Tony Stark's Iron Man suit. I did not know that. Super cool. <laughs> that is really super cool. I love that little factoid. Um, the next one, when Peter and Aunt May head out to enjoy some Thai food, a quick glance at a window next door confirms the existence of the Korean Church of Asgard in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, the last one that we have is um, that you can pretty much examine anytime directors say there's an Easter egg and find it. Um, so in Aaron's case, the license plate on his car reads UCS Emma one. And that is the um, ultimate comic Spider-Man number one, which is the first issue of Marvel comics to feature Miles Morales in the starring role. So fun. So now we get to move into our thoughts. So Tiff, 
what did you think about this movie? What do you like about this movie? Um, this is definitely like on the upper end of my list. I really love this movie. I just, I think my favorite thing about it is the chemistry between Tony Stark and um, what I all the words are going through my head through Spider Man. I I almost said Miles Morales. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love their chemistry. Peter Parker. Oh my goodness. Um yeah, I love their chemistry together and that's one of my favorite things about this movie. Yeah, I agree. I think um I grew up on the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Like those are what I watched in high school and we've said we've never really watched the Andrew Garfield ones. Um but I think Tom Holland is very easily my favorite Spider-Man. I think he was like the perfect casting choice for this he just embodies that just like awkward teenager like ness um and i i love him in this i love his chemistry with robert downey jr i think um like obviously that's such an important part of you know the arc of peter parker and of iron man and you can see like tony really kind of like stepping into that like father figure um with Peter and I, I love their relationship and I just love the story and that we didn't revisit all you know the origin story that we've seen so many times of like he got bit by a spider and he's figuring out his powers and so we're kind of introduced to Spider-Man you know several months after that's happened and he's already kind of like figured some things out so I just love that it feels like new and fresh in that aspect as opposed to rehashing the same thing that the other two films did yeah with their first you know like intro to them. I agree and that was something I was going to mention as well I, one of the things um that I thought was kind of interesting like why do we have so many Spider-Man movies that all don't really connect because I always thought like why didn't they just weave in the Andrew Andrew Garfield story since they were the most recent before um to the Marvel Universe, but I love Tom Holland in this role, and I wouldn't want to take him out of it either, so I think it turned out really great, but to me, I'm just like, why? Why are there so many different, like, versions of this? But I love No, I get it. it, and I think, uh, don't quote me on this, because I don't know if it's accurate. I feel like this is something I read, like, a long time ago, or heard a long time ago, but I feel like part of Sony's, like, deal with owning spider-man is they had to make a movie every so many years otherwise the the rights would revert back to marvel um and so like obviously sony doesn't want to do that like spider-man is such a good property for them and i feel like um that's why we we saw different versions of it because like the tobin mcguire ones like i i don't know how old he was i think I should Google this. Um, but like he was older when he did the first Spider-Man film. So by the time they got to the third one, you know, I think he was in his thirties and they kind of matured the story with him, but like continuing to keep doing Spider-Man films with Tobey Maguire just wouldn't have been feasible. So then you recast, you kind of reboot for, you know, the next generation. And I just don't think those Spider-Men did well. And so when they were probably looking at this again, Andrew Garfield was probably, I think he's in his thirties now. So bringing, you know, that kind of into the MCU. And I think they were like we discussed earlier, looking to have it be younger, have it be very much kind of a coming of age story. Like that does, Andrew Garfield doesn't quite fit that. So I think those are kind of the factors and why we have so many Spider-Man films and why we have the new Spider-Man. But yeah, I agree. 
uh, Tom Holland is just, he's probably one of my favorite actors. I just think he's so adorable. Oh, I love him. Um, and like perfect um, as Spider Man. It is truly like uh, probably one of the best castings in the MCU. Um, they're, they're just great with casting in general, but like he's just so spot on. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it's just such a fun movie. And I just always enjoy. Um, watching it we were it was really funny last night I was watching with rusty and he was like when they do the adrian tombs reveal which is probably actually another thing i really like about this film is like you don't see that reveal coming like um especially the first time you see it you're like oh my gosh like he's her dad um but he was like did you see that coming the first time and i was like um i think the first time i watched this i like fell asleep and i woke up right as that happened and i was like wait what is happening oh my gosh (laughs) i didn't know it was coming the first time i saw it yeah and so i was like what i'm like i need to rewatch this and like because i think it was like after a long day of work and i was just so exhausted i think i just fell asleep while we were watching it and you were watching with a bunch of friends um and I was like, I woke up like right as that was happening, and I was so confused. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Is there um, anything else you didn't like about this one? Um, I don't think there's really anything that I like dislike about it. I feel like I feel like right before it gets to like the Staten Ferry, Staten the, the Staten Island Ferry scene, I get a little like. I don't know my mind tends to drift a little bit and I don't really know why that is maybe it's kind of the middle of the film and it hasn't like gotten to kind of like the climax part yet um and just in terms of like one thing it just always makes me like I just I just don't like it but it's like such a good scene is that scene when he like gets the building crushed on him and he like you know he's like calling out for help like and that just like makes like me like oh and then like I want to go help him how do I go help him like it it makes me I wouldn't say it's like a dislike but it's definitely something every time it happens I'm like oh I just don't I don't like this I just want to go I'm like just just get out just get out I know I'm like you can wiggle out just wiggle yeah I'm like just 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 get out I don't like this it's so sad (laughs) right um but yeah there I don't really think there's anything that I would say that I like very strongly dislike in this film um uh, me, I don't really like Liz as a character, actually. I just think she's kind of boring. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of glad she didn't return for the second one. Um, but yeah, what about you? Is there anything you disliked about the No, movie? not really, actually. Yeah. Nothing. Um, do you have any comments on the cast? Because I do. <laughs> I love the cast. I mean you know kind of with the exception of Liz like Michael Keaton is just he's just such a good villain he's so so good in this and like all of the side characters I think are great too like Ned and Aunt May and then uh Zendaya as uh Michelle MJ um even like the teacher like I think the teacher's funny (laughs) um and, and like Happy Hogan and obviously Tony Stark is in this. So yeah, I just think the, like the cast and obviously like the costumes and the suits and the CGI and I think all of it's just great. Why? Well, what's your what's your casting thing? Um, I agree with all of that. Um, Ned is one of my favorites. He reminds me of um, like my husband as a high school kid. 
like <laughs> the guy in yeah, the chair. Like, he's just so like like he kind of <laughs> looks like my husband would and he like is kind of nerdy like him and I think it's so funny um and I know uh Carolyn and I were talking about this earlier but one of the real housewives of Beverly Hills is like a background character on this Garcelle she is Liz's mom and I was like oh my gosh I think it's so funny to see housewives in movies I know you texted me I was like that's where she was from I was sitting there last night I was like why does she look so familiar why why does she look so familiar and I just like couldn't put my finger on it and then you texted me today and I was like yeah oh, I was like yes, is that Garcelle that and then I googled it and I was like it is <laughs> this is so funny oh our our other obsessions well did you have any favorite scenes in this movie um the whole movie uh um I did think it was really funny when um I forget after what part but they were dropping um Peter Parker off at home with Tony Stark and Happy and um it's when Tony's like oh like let's make this video for your aunt or whatever and then he starts making fun of Happy because he asked for a raise and Happy's like can we not joke about that because it was really hard for me to ask you that (laughs) like so funny (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love the Tony Stark scenes in this movie. I like I like the Staten Island scene is so good and I love like the end scene. The end scene's probably one of my favorites when like he brings him to like Avengers campus and he's like, Here's your suit and he's like he's like, No, I think I'm good and then he like walks off and like then Pepper comes she's like, Where's where's the kid? What's happening? Like it just felt like such like I like the moments in the films that like just feel like really real what would happen in real life and I just like that seems probably one of my favorites that was um, actually a dislike for me I well not the scene itself but just like the fact that he walked away because I was like why didn't he just ah, like you should have stayed and then I kind of hated how <laughs> Tony was like oh yeah I have a ring for Pepper it's like what <laughs> it's so lame <laughs> see but I think that's just like that's just so them like just happy's happy's been just like carrying around this ring for like years yeah <laughs> you can do better Tony I love it but that's also just it very is. like Tony it's just very Tony he's not very romantic yeah. you know <laughs> um I just had another one that I liked a lot. Oh, I like when he's like recounting his day and he's like, Help this little lady and she gave me a churro. <laughs> <laughs> like I just like a lot of the lines in this film. They always make me laugh. <laughs> I know. I I love it. And um I love that they were building a Lego Death Star. <laughs> like, it was just like the nerdiest <laughs> thing and I love it. We're we're all yeah. a little nerdy on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> Well, where is this one on your list? Um, I feel like this one, again, it just always, it's definitely somewhere in the middle, but I think towards the top of the middle. Um, again, I like, I love it so much, but it just always ends up falling in the middle because there's ones that I like more, you know? It's one of those. Yeah. Like every time I watch it, I really enjoy it. Yeah. But, I think, yeah. um, yeah, probably upper middle for me, too. Um, more towards the upper. It's definitely in my top ten. Uh, maybe not top five. Yeah, I would say it's probably just out of my, like, mm-hmm. top ten. Because it's definitely, like, not above, like, Captain Marvel. I'm, like, looking at my list yeah. right now. Oh, maybe, maybe it actually probably does fall in my... I don't know. 
I don't know where it falls. <laughs> <laughs> like now I'm like, like I don't know because I can't say that I like it more than Captain America: The I First do. Avenger. <laughs> I just love Captain America. Um, but yeah, it maybe does fall in my top ten. Like once the the list like shakes out, because I definitely think I like it more than like Far From Home. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it probably actually is in my top ten now that I'm looking at my list. Oh, I guess the next part's me too. So this is what happens when I switch notes. Um, so instead of our marvelous women of the week this week, we have decided since WandaVision just came out that we are going to spend some time and talk about that, um, our thoughts, our feelings, what we think is going to happen. So if you haven't watched uh, the first two episodes of WandaVision. This is your spoiler warning. Um, turn it off if you don't want to hear us talk about um, anything that has happened again in the first two episodes of the show. Uh, so we're probably going to follow it along week to week and talk about what we think is happening and going on. Um, so yeah, Tiff, what are your kind of initial thoughts on WandaVision? What is happening? I don't know. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> but I loved it. Like, what am I watching? I don't know, but I love it. Right? It's like, it's so good. And I feel like it's going to be one of those where once the whole season is done, you're going to go back and watch it. And there's going to be so many mm-hmm. more things you pick up on because you like know where it ends. But I definitely feel like um like I already love it so much and it's definitely like it's definitely a mystery I think um like it's probably a little darker than we all like think because the first two episodes are very much set um in uh the first one I think is kind of based on 1950s sitcom shows and then we move into the 1960s and now we're getting into color in the probably the next couple episodes um but things don't quite uh like they appear to be rather nice but i don't actually think just they love are. wanda and vision together they make me so happy but i also felt like i wish the storyline would move a little bit faster but i know what they're trying to do i'm just like give me more I know. And I think because they're shorter episodes, they're only like 30 minutes. So they're not very long, um, which I think fits kind of in that uh, TV sitcom framework that they're doing. So I'm interested to see as they go along, if once we kind of get because there's nine episodes. And so if we move 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and then probably like the 2010s. So that's seven like sitcom style eras and then we have two more episodes after that so I'm interested to see if kind of those last two episodes are going to be a little longer um once we get kind of past the sitcom um you know yeah yeah in them but it's also funny because like there's so many like easter eggs like it seems like the commercials play a huge part in this so if you've watched them, you know the first one was the Stark toaster. 
which harkens to um, the Stark bomb. It seems to be related. They seem to be related to traumatic things in Wanda's life. So the Stark bomb that killed her parents. And then the second was Strucker, um, who was Hydra and who gave her her powers. Um, And yeah, there's so many theories about what things could be and what it all means. Yeah, I'm glad that they released two episodes at once because I think after we watched the first one, my husband was like, we waited so long just for that. And I was like, no, there's going to be more. There's going to be more. So, like, the second one did, I think, move it along a little bit more. So I feel like if it was just the first one, I'd be like, meh, I don't know. But I think it'll, I think it'll get better. I just want more. Yeah, I think they're very slowly revealing, like, the mystery of things. Like, the first episode, like, you really didn't, like get any sort of like mystery until the end where it was like you know his boss choked on the um on the food um and Wanda kind of like snapped out of the reality and then obviously in episode two we hear someone calling her on the radio um and then the guy in the beekeeper suit shows up which apparently uh, might be hinting at a evil organization AIM from the comics um so I feel like they're really trying they're like I feel like the more episodes we get, the more things will be sprinkled in because there were definitely a lot more. And I felt like the second episode than the first. It really trips me out how much Elizabeth Olsen looks like the healthy Olsen twins. (laughs) So, like, the whole time she was on, I kept feeling like I was watching Full House with like grown up Mary Kate (laughs) Nashley. I mean, yeah. 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 Except they don't look like that anymore. (laughs) She looks like good but (laughs) yeah no and I think that I was talking with another friend we were watching it on the watch party together and I was just appreciating how like Elizabeth Olsen is not a stick um she like looks like a real person I was like I like appreciate that like you know she just looks like she's like a normal like body type um as opposed to like you know like super stick thin yeah I appreciate that yeah so yeah I think we're gonna have probably over the coming weeks we'll probably have a lot more to unpack but I definitely think it was um I've obviously been starved for Marvel content um because it's been a year and a half since we got Spider-Man Far From Home um so I was just excited on that level to have something new to watch um and I think because no one really knows what to expect with this like I don't know like at least for me it's hard to go into it having like any expectations because it's like I don't know what to expect um and so for the first two episodes I think they're really interesting I think they're really funny even if like some of the humor is kind of like dark humor um that you don't really like think about you just kind of like laugh and you're like uh, I was reading an article and they're like one of the vision jokes was like him getting smashed in the head and they're like oh and that's how he died with getting the mind stone ripped out of his head and I was like oh yeah that's kind of a dark joke (laughs) actually (laughs) I was like oh I didn't even think about that when I was watching it um but yeah uh I'm excited to see where it goes like you said I just love them together and I really hope that somehow Vision makes it out of this um 
we already know the multiverse is coming. So maybe there's some sort of way through the multiverse that um, he can come back into Wanda's life. Cause I really do. I think uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen just have such good like chemistry together. And it, it's so, Me I just, too. I love it so much. Yeah. So that's yeah. our thoughts on WandaVision. Um, if you guys want to keep up with us next week, we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange and discussing all our opinions on that. So stay tuned. We'll have more for you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Disney Download. If you want to stay up to date on all of the park happenings, be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Diz Download. And if you love The Disney Download, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and be sure to leave us a review. We hope you have a magical day and we'll see you next week for another episode of The Disney Download.